Welcome to the Women of the West podcast, exploring trials and bliss of women blazing trails for themselves through the Western way of life. Olivia Harms is a blonde bombshell of an Oregon gal who commutes to Nashville to pursue her career as a singer-songwriter. Not only did I get to interview her, but I ran into her recently at the Pendleton Cattle Barons weekend, where she and her mom graciously welcomed me to hang out with them to enjoy a drink and watch a ranch rodeo. Olivia and Joni are Western gals that are welcoming and full of grace. Listen in as Olivia and I talk about music, what inspires her, and challenges of finding her place in the world and country music community. Be sure to check out her new album coming out May 2021, titled Rhinestone Cowgirl. Okay, Olivia, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. <laughs> I'm excited to chat with you, too, now that we finally <laughs> nailed each other down for it. So I know we're both kind of busy bodies, like roaming around. <laughs> and, you know, that's a good way to live. It's good to stay busy. But sometimes it is kind of difficult to pin each other down when we're both that way. But we've done it. Oh, absolutely. I'm always flying around at like 100 miles an hour, but I never get anything done. I'm going too fast. I get things like three quarters of the way done. <laughs> the brain just goes too fast. I'm the same way. I'll like always have this mental list of a million things and then I like start one and then I'm like, oh, wait, I have to do this. And oh, boy, it's just a mess. But oh, well. <laughs> OK, so correct me if I'm wrong. But you currently call Prineville home. I do. Yeah, I was born and raised in Canby, Oregon, over in the valley. Um, mm -hmm. But after I graduated from Oregon State University, I kind of wanted to change. I love my family and they were, you know, ready to welcome me home if that's what I wanted to do. But since I've always liked this side of the state, I figured it was time to try something new. And I, I found this cute little house <clears throat> that uh, was pretty inexpensive. It's it's um, definitely not the Taj Mahal. It's got loads and loads of character, um, so it's very inexpensive. Um, like, just so we have a really good picture going here, there's one portion of my linoleum floor in my kitchen that has a duct tape X on it. Uh, the yard is in poor shape. You know, like, it's it's a real... It's a real interesting place, but it's, you know, I was fresh out of college and I was like, this is going to be my place and I'm, I'm going to call it home. So I moved over to Prineville uh, and it's the cowboy capital of Oregon. So I figured that was a good place for me to be it's close enough to Bend and Redmond where I have a lot of live concert venues um, that I could look into and start playing at, um, but still feel like I was kind of in a small town since that's what I was born and raised around. And I have been in my same little <laughs> kind of crappy home for the last four years. And I love it. It's been, it's been a great adventure. And Prineville is such a beautiful area. I love going hiking out there. It's like the Ochacos are just magic to me. <laughs> I oh, can't I help know. it. They are so pretty. I, you've got it right because I just I've spent a ton of time outdoors. Every summer, I'm always at one of the reservoirs. It's just it's a beautiful place to live. So I probably won't be leaving anytime soon. I like it. I grew up in Eugene, so I feel you on the valley girl turned high desert girl thing. It's yeah. so much sunnier over here. Oh, I know. And so much less rain. And, you know, it's just a short little commute, really, if we need to go back over to that side. But it's so nice to see the sunshine. Mm -hmm. And speaking of commutes, you commute back and forth to Nashville, correct? I do. Yeah. So I started doing that after college as well. Um, 
I've grown up playing music and I started doing it kind of on my own throughout high school. And then I did a little bit during college too. But after I graduated, I had, I had done that, you know, kind of as a backup plan. Uh, I got a degree in ag business and I love agriculture. That's, you know, where my background is, my family farms and ranches. And so I kind of figured that since music is such a volatile business and it's so uncertain, I should get a, a backup plan. And so that's what I did with the ag business. Um, and then as soon as I was done with college and I had that kind of checked off, I figured that that was as good a time as any to start pursuing my music career really hard. And so I started commuting back and forth to Nashville after I moved to Prineville and uh, worked great. I would just fly to Nashville for two weeks at a time or so, write, record, have meetings, network and, you know, play live as much as I could. And um, then I would come back and, and then play live and tour around in Central Oregon or the Northwest and then just kind of kept up that pattern for the last couple of years. Wow. How long of a flight is it to Nashville from Redmond? Yeah, uh, usually I usually go to PDX first uh-huh. um, because I have two little dogs and I love them. They're like my my own children. Um, <laughs> so I, I drop them off with their grandparents in Canby and then uh, I fly out of Portland. But it's still a long, long flight. I usually go through Salt Lake and then from Salt Lake get to Nashville, but it's at least half a day, you know, if not seven hours or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's a yeah. haul. You ever meet any cool people in the airport? I have. Yeah. Um, I saw Trace Adkins one time and he was too far in front of me for me to go say hi, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I did have some luck. Um, like a couple years ago, I was sitting in the one of the little taverns by the gate. And, you know, it's like the seven hour flight, like I was saying. And so before I got on the plane and didn't get anything but peanuts or pretzels or whatever they feed you, I was like, this girl has got to have a snack. So I'm sitting there and I was feeling really great. You know, I was like, I'll get some wine and some chicken tenders, have myself a great <laughs> little lunch and <laughs> just having the best time. And and then I look over and there's these four people and they come in and they sit next to me. And I was like, they look so familiar. How do I know them? And I was racking my brain trying to figure it out. And then finally it dawned on me that it was Little Big Town. And they just, like, <laughs> come in, sat down. I was like so excited because they also ordered Chardonnay and chicken tenders. So I was like, this must be what <laughs> country musicians eat. <laughs> That's how we fuel ourselves. Um yeah, and I went over and I said hi, and they were just so kind and wonderful people. It was really cool to see that they were worth looking up to, you know, versus someone who wouldn't give you the time of day. They were like, oh, that's wonderful that you're, you know, playing and writing, and I uh, told them I'd play a couple of their songs occasionally, and so they were really great. That was a fun experience. How fun. That is cool. Yeah, it was it was kind of cool. I mean, I always get asked whenever people find out that I spend so much time in Nashville. That's one of the first questions they always ask is, oh, do you know any famous people? Like, do you see them walking around? And like my answer is always, believe it or not, they're not just flocking the streets of Lower Broadway. I guess they stay home. But once in a while, you do run into someone pretty cool. And it's just it's neat to to see that there are very good human beings and kind and, you know. They don't have a, a head larger than life or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I imagine the, you know, just knowing Nashville from listening to country music, I imagine that among 
I'm going to say like people your age, our age, um, is it like pretty cutthroat because everybody's vying to play in certain places and like there's a lot of up and comers there. What's the culture like there? It is a musician. Yeah, it is cutthroat in a way. I remember it being a lot more intimidating when I first started commuting just because I didn't, you know, I was so new to it all and everywhere you go, people play music everywhere you go people write songs or um they have these incredible voices or play incredible guitar and so here I was this little gal from Oregon thinking oh there's no way that I have a chance you know but Mm -hmm. um then I've I've kind of through the years just started to discover a couple things you know there's definitely a lot a lot of musicians and a lot of great songwriters and so much talent there but then as you kind of like look around and see there's some people who have never played really live before and they're just going to Nashville to pursue their dream and like I applaud that so much but um I've always had to lug my own sound gear around and like fight to find any live music venue that I can play at and and so then it seems like it's there's all these different levels of, you know, there's people that fly in like me or come from a place where they've been really fighting and working for their dream. And then there's other people that are just kind of like, oh, it's going to happen easily. I'm just going to hang out in Nashville waiting for it to happen. So I've, I've like noticed a couple different tiers of people. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's all wonderful. It's a creative place. And there's so many different genres in Nashville now. It's not just my kind of traditional country western there's you know country pop there's country rock and then there's you know like your r&b country and man it's just a wonderful melting pot so i think once you kind of realize that there's separation in the genre and not everybody is fighting for the very same thing you know like not everybody wants to be um you know a traditional country western singer songer bringing sing, singer songwriter bringing back honky tonks like me um mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who are going after a completely different dream and so when you look at it that way it it becomes a lot less intimidating than it it is when you just go and see everybody the first time mm-hmm. yeah i do love your uh hashtag bring back honky tonk <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> it's a revival we need it oh absolutely and I find myself, I love listening to live music and I know it happens in central Oregon, but COVID shut everything down. I'm so ready to get out and go listen to live music. <laughs> oh, and I'm so ready to play it. You know, it's been, it's been a really hard year. I've got to play here and there, uh, a lot of outside venues, um, but yeah, it's just, I've, I've done some of the Facebook live performances I've done some on Instagram live and although it's a wonderful way to still play music and for people to still hear music I have to say I have missed seeing people's faces and um, their expressions or getting to talk to them after I play that's why I do it and so when it's just like a thumbs up or someone sends me hearts it's really nice on Facebook but it's not that personal connection that I I really crave Mm mm-hmm Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I always feel like a weirdo. None of my friends are ever free or want to go or whatever. So I always go by myself. And in the century we live in, that's kind of a weird thing to go to something by yourself. And 
I always get myself so amped up and then I always have a good time. (laughs) Well, that's how I am. I, you know what? I think there's a lot of power in doing things alone. It is unique for our culture nowadays, but I have found that it's one of the most freeing things to be able to be like, yeah, I can go do something totally by myself. I can go out to eat and sit there by myself and not be on my phone the whole time. Like just look around at people and be alone with my thoughts and, That, I think, has been something really hard for me to get used to because I travel a lot by myself or with my dogs. But, you know, they're not always welcome in the restaurant. So (laughs) I have to leave them in the pickup and then come back. But, um, yeah, it is it is definitely something like once you find peace that you're totally fine and you can entertain yourself and be okay by yourself go out and do things. This is really nice. Nobody's there to bother you. Whenever you want to leave, you leave. However late you want to stay out, you could stay out. So it it is kind of (laughs) nice. Well, and I always think like the worst thing that's ever happened to me being by myself is that I've met good people. Like when you're by yourself, you kind of, it's less intimidating. And I always meet like I won't say the strangest, but you know, like the, the most unique people or have these like interesting experiences uh, just by being, being by myself. It's amazing who kind of falls into your path. Yeah. I second that completely. I think we're a lot more open to finding people to talk to and converse with when we're by ourselves versus, you know, if I have my best friend with me, I'm not probably going to go walk around and try to find new friends quite as much. Cause I got my, you know, my best gal with me. So yeah, you meet all kinds of interesting people and hearing their life stories. I mean, Gosh, I I think it would be great to just start writing a book, but then I forget the stories before I can write them down. And so then, I mean, who knows? They're probably lost out in the universe now, but <laughs> like the adventures of airports and dining alone and <laughs> it just, it's really entertaining the conversations that you end up having with, with strangers sometimes. Oh yeah, this is a good Oregon story. I was traveling by myself quite a bit the summer after I graduated college and one of my last stops by myself, I was camping outside of Burns, Oregon uh-huh. and this like old middle Eastern guy in a motor home, like whips into this horse camp. And I'm like, okay, weird. And he came over to me and like apologized that his generator was going to have to run all night. And I was like, Oh, no worries. And I like slept out in my bedroll and we conversed a little bit more. And the next morning, he woke me up with a cup of tea and I went and talked to this man for like three hours and his wife had left him after 50 years of marriage and he was like traveling by himself and just heartbroken that he didn't have his, you know, life partner there with him. And he kept telling me I reminded him of his wife and I'm like, oh. I'm going to get, I'm going to get murdered. All right. I did not. He was the nicest old guy. He gave me like a hundred dollar bottle of wine for the road, like so kind. And it meant so much to him to connect with somebody. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so unexpected in Burns and like what? But yeah, that's, that's a great story. Not even in Burns. I would say 45 miles north of Burns in the middle of absolute nowhere. <laughs> I wish I caught his name, but uh, yeah, that was, that was a something I'll never forget connecting with this like total stranger who had nothing in common with me. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Here's some tea, have some wine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, well, what a guy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you started playing in high school, but what, what was the driving factor that made you want to pursue music? So I grew up 
playing music. Um, my mom is a great musician, singer, songwriter. Um, she had a couple of record deals in Nashville in the late 80s, early 90s. So she's been doing it for a long time. She's definitely had a great go of it. And uh, just this year, I'm really proud of her. She's getting inducted into the Western Music Hall of Fame. And That's exciting. Yeah, I know. I'm super proud of her. She's earned it. It's so well-deserved. Um, but when I was little... I got to travel around with her and I would get up on stage and, uh, you know, do I want to be a cowboy's sweetheart or do a little song I wrote called Coyote Yodel, you know, all these little Western songs. And I'd be so happy to just get up there and hold the mic and twirl it around and sing a little song. And then I'd go watch the merch table. And I just always loved the adventure of everything, um, just being on stage and sharing music and, and the people and the places that you get to see and meet. Um, and so I got pretty, you know, addicted to it. It's, it's like a little bug. You just, the more you do it, the, the worse you want to do it again. And so <laughs> um, Santa Claus brought me my first guitar when I was six years old and I was way too stubborn. I still am really stubborn. So I did not want my mom's help teaching me. Uh, <laughs> so I think I Googled some chord progressions and taught myself to play. Um, and she knew what was going on. You know, she was sweet. She played dumb like, Oh yeah, I had no idea what those sounds were in your bedroom. No idea at all. And I'd come <laughs> down like, Oh yeah, well surprise. I can play now. <laughs> but, um, it just is like a, a progression of learning to play. And then I started kind of writing my own little songs and then I would play them for my family or my friends as time went on. And then by high school, um, it was, you know, still something that I just, I really wanted to do and keep working on. I loved it. And so then I started to play live by myself at, at little coffee shops or the fair, um, just little places around my small town and then I would still travel with my mom and, and do a song or two with her wherever we went um, and I'd written enough songs by age 16 that she said you know why don't we go back to Nashville and uh, you can record your debut album and so oh man I was on top of the world I thought I was going to be the next Taylor Swift because you're you know I was 16 and naive and my thought was you go to Nashville and you record an album well, there's no other steps. That's just like you're going to be instantly famous, you know, like there's <laughs> just <laughs> no middle ground. You go from singing in a small town to a album in Nashville famous. Um, and thank goodness that didn't happen. I, I'm so glad I didn't have like a teenage career. That would have been awful. But um, <laughs> yeah, I just the more time went on, I, I never got tired of it. And I certainly never felt pushed into it. There was a period of time where my mom was like, you know, you really don't have to sing if you don't want to. There's so many other things that you could do or gifts that you have that you could pursue. And I just always loved playing. I think I have the same um, kind of addiction to it that she does is just like meeting and meeting people and the adventure of it and sharing music, like a little song that I wrote. Um, that somehow, you know, means something to me and then somehow to a total stranger, they relate to it. Like that will always just put me in complete awe of how my words and my story can affect somebody else who has no idea who I am or what my song is really about. So mm -hmm. I just kind of kept after it. And, um, you know, then we got to the, the point where I graduated college and that's when I started really going to Nashville. So it's been a a lifetime 
uh, process, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> um, and this is something you and I had talked about previously, but with your mom being a country musician as well, that, that has brought a challenge in itself. It's not, it's a blessing, but it's, it's not just solely that. Yeah, you know, it's, um, she's been able to teach me so many things. And for that, I am always so grateful. Um, but it has been funny, you know, for especially the last couple of years, while I have been commuting to Nashville and doing music full time, um, a lot of people just kind of assume that I'm in her shadow. And I, I'm so happy for all of her success. And here I am, you know, in the trenches trying to dig my own little trail. And uh, people are like, oh, you know, are you going to do the the cowboy Western music? And I'm like, well, kind of, but also no. Um, and then they just <laughs> seem like they're totally confused as to how I'm her daughter, but then I'm not going to do exactly what she's done. Or my favorite is when people, I don't, I don't think they mean it. I'm convinced that they like, just don't really realize <laughs> what they're saying sometimes, but they'll be like, Oh, your mom is so great after a show. And they'll be talking to me cause she's busy. And, um, I'll be like, yeah, I know she's she's so talented and, you know, I'm really lucky to have her. And and then it kind of goes silent and they're like, and you're really coming along. And I'm like, oh, what a compliment. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, I'm coming along. Or like, you've gotten better. Yep. Well, you, it's been like six years since you've seen me. So I hope I've gotten better. <laughs> like just, <laughs> some of those comments are just so funny. I had one guy come up to me after a show one time and and I think he honestly was trying to help but he he said you have a really strange yodel when you sing your mom doesn't do that and I was like yeah I know it's just a unique thing that I do you know trying to be different and he's like well you don't sound like your mom and I was like yeah well there you know like there's already a, an artist that sounds like my mom it, it's her and so I don't want to sound like her because she's already nailed that whole thing. So I'm going to try and blaze my own trail. And he just could not get the concept of why I didn't sound more like her and why I wanted to keep the yodel. And I was like, you know what? It's I, whatever it is, yodel. Yep. You don't have to like it because they're even if it's only five people, I will find those five people in the world that like the weird yip yodel deal that I do on the end of of my singing and make it unique because part of being an artist is doing things your own way and being creative. And so, um, he's like, well, you really should work on changing that. And I was like, thank you. I will take that into consideration. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about mansplaining for a second because <laughs> there's nothing that pisses me off quicker than someone who doesn't do my job telling me how to do my job. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've had that. And like, I think that is probably the like largest challenge of all is just people who mean well, or people who are just excited or you'd whatever you want to call it, they have no bad intentions. Mm -hmm. But then they are quite irritating. And as an artist, or, you know, whatever creator you are, if they're trying to compliment you on your work or criticize your work or whatever they're doing, you're kind of in a hard spot because you don't want to be rude to them and hurt their feelings or 
upset them and then make them go blow you up on social media or, you know, do something terrible. But then you also don't want to just take all the the crap that they're throwing at you. Like I had a guy uh, that was a sound guy at one of the gigs that I did with my mom. And and truth be told, there was two different mic setups and one had just like a much, much lower like intake and if whatever reason like my mom would sing through it and it just came out very low volume I'd sing through it and it would come out low volume but he didn't seem to know that there was a difference in the mics and I have a more soft-spoken voice than my mom does so I just whatever I ended up with this lower volume mic and he comes over at the end and he's like you really need to work on your diaphragm and I've never taken singing lessons it's just not my thing, I support anybody who does. I've just never found myself getting lessons. And until this day where he was suggesting that I lay on a bed and put textbooks on my belly and try to lift them up by breathing. And that should help me get better. If I do that every night for a couple of months, hopefully then I would improve. And I was just like, I don't know how... <laughs> I don't know. Okay, thank you. I mean, what do you say in that situation? Do you tell him where to put it or do you just say, thank you, I will, I will sure give it a try? Well, and that's something I run into. Like people, people do mean well. Like, I think we very rarely encounter people who like want to see us fail. Maybe I'm a little naive <laughs> in that fact. But it's like, you, you have to learn to filter what you let sit near your heart and what you don't. That's something I've run into. I take advice from people I pay to take classes from, to learn from. Um, and I take advice from people who are how I perceive to be better than me, but people who aren't doing what you're doing or, you know, like the sound guy, if, if you're so good at it, why aren't you up here singing? You know, it's, it makes exactly. that feeling in your gut. Like, well, if you're so good at it, maybe you should do it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yep. I know. It's like, well, I guess we just brush it off and move on to the next one because some people, they just can't help themselves. <laughs> no, and I think it's it's more of like an unawareness. I don't think when people speak, they realize the effect it has on other people. You know, the ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and see yourself through their lens. I, I think that's um, not something that comes naturally. I think that's an intentional intentional practice perhaps yeah I agree with that I I mean I know that I find myself hyper aware of what I'm saying and whether I'm coming off grateful or you know complimentary of whatever I'm dealing with at least kindness and I just you know I'm so aware of it now because I would never want to be caught in a spot where I say something that could somehow be offensive to someone who hired me or is there to support me and listen to me um, that now it's just like, oh, what? Like, you don't think about what you're saying? Oh, well, that's right. I guess you probably don't have to as much in your day-to-day -day life. But for people like us, it's kind of like second nature that you just think, okay, how do I go about this in the most unoffensive way possible? <laughs> mm -hmm. This is something my mom and I talked about, like, recently. You can say hard things to people as long as you do it out of a place of respect it might piss them off initially, but people do like come around past that. If you not, not so much offend them, but you can say the hard things as long as it's coming from a place of respect and, and 
90% of the time, you can still maintain that relationship, that friendship, whatever you want to call it. 100%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And exciting news, you have an album coming out very soon, and you just released a new single. Yeah, Kitty Pool just came out, and I am so excited that it's finally out in the world. It's the fourth single uh, that I released um, from the album. I recorded it, the whole album, May 2020, and I had hopes that it would be released um, in November of 2020. But then with all the events that just kept happening, I was like, you know, it's just best to wait. So we're going to release the whole album on the year anniversary of recording it. Um, Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, I had been... Uh, releasing singles here and there to just kind of keep people's attention and keep them excited about the new music. And mm-hmm. Kitty Pool is one that I wrote a couple years ago with one of my favorite co-writers. His name's Wood Newton. Uh, he's wrote with my mom for years. He's written songs for the Oak Ridge Boys, uh, David Ball, Steve Warner, lots of great people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then uh, we were meeting up one day and I had already been in Nashville for a week and a half or so. And so I was kind of running out of ideas. I keep this big list of notes on my phone for when Mm -hmm. I'm in Nashville and I scroll through them. And it's just like all the random thoughts that I have when I'm home or traveling and I write them down and just keep them in one place. So when I'm in Nashville, they're all there and I can just sort through and find whatever is interesting to me that day. And sadly, most of those were used up. And so I was talking with Wood and I was like, I just want to find a good idea. Um, You know, he's such a great songwriter, so I didn't want to come up blank, but we just were catching up and talking about life. I started talking about one of my friends that had had a guy take off on her, and, uh, you know, she was pretty heartbroken, and Wood said, oh, I'm sorry, that's too bad. And I said, well, it is, it is too bad, Um, but you know what, if somebody takes off on you and they don't really care about you enough to tell you why or they don't care enough to stick around it hurts, but in hindsight, you don't want them anyways, because who wants to be with somebody who isn't dying to be with them? And so he said, that's quite a <laughs> a view on life. And I said, well, I just think everyone deserves to be with someone who's crazy about them. Um, so, you know, if someone took off on me, I'd probably be upset, but mm-hmm. I'd get a bottle of wine and fill up the kiddie pool with the garden hose, get my dog, and I'd just hang out and it'd all be fine. Like it'd pass. And before the night was over, I wouldn't remember what I was upset about to begin with. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I think it's a great idea. So we wrote the song um, and it's been so much fun to play live over the last year or so. I've had so many people uh, get excited about it or even request it. And I just like that's the biggest compliment of all to hear that something I wrote that's kind of a joke um, or to just like something to be lighthearted and help people through a hard time um, is something that they're really relating to and enjoying. So the lyric video that we released with it was supposed to be a music video. But a couple of weeks ago when we were supposed to record the music video, it was extremely windy in Prineville. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it is often, yep. <laughs> often, yes. I feel like it's been extra bad this year, just a side note. Like, I don't have a ton of experience here in Prineville, but in my four years, <laughs> I sound like such an old timer. In my four years of living here, uh, <laughs> I have not experienced wind like this bad through the spring. But it was present. It was very present uh, a couple weeks ago, and just everything was flying around and it was cold and I called Natalie of McFarland Productions and she's been kind enough to do all my 
photo shoots and my music videos. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. I, I can't sit out in a, a kiddie pool when it's just like crap's been blown through the air and it's cold. And so we postponed it. We'll probably record the video, you know, when it's a little bit nicer, maybe May or June. Um, Cause I think it's going to be a funny one. So we might as well do it right. So people can enjoy the, Lyric video with a cameo appearance from Natalie McFarland's dog. He's doing a, a pretty good job. You can see if you can catch Pokey in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't listened to that yet, but I'm going to have to because I did, recently I've been kind of seeing this guy and he ghosted me after like two months of dating. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. It's an epic story. I texted him, didn't hear back, and so... In true Central Oregon girl fashion, I left his shit in the Walmart parking lot in Redmond. <laughs> Good girl. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I mean, like, uh, just what is the deal? That is a real problem with our whole world right now. It's not even just our age. It's like the whole world is just ghosting. And I mean, I know that it sucks. I know it's hard to call someone and be like, hey, you know what? I'm not your person and you're not mine. You're cool. But. I I just don't see it working. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of a crappy conversation to have, but it's so much more respectful and honest and considerate to do something like that than just ghost people. Because then, if like since we're girls, I overthink everything to the very last. Like it's insane how much I how much time I spend thinking about things, especially if it's ended like that. Then I'm like, okay, what did I do? What could have I done? Like, what happened? Because we have no explanation of how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. True. But good for you. I'm, I'm <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> oh, and McFarland <laughs> Productions, it. she's killing it. I love following her Instagram. I should probably link her in this because people need to check her out. She does such a wonderful job. And she's just in Roseburg, isn't she? She is. Yeah, you should link her. She's incredible. Um, I'm so lucky to have her as a friend. Um, And now, you know, someone that's collaborating with me on all of this. It's it's just been a real, you know, dream come true because she's saved my bacon so many times. The whole reason that I'm doing music videos now for all these, it was something I always thought would be fun. But I didn't know that it was something that I could really afford to do just because... You know, I know the Nashville music video budgets and um, anyway, it's kind of a funny story. The first single that was released was one called Hey There Cowboy on September 25th and it was a couple days before the release and Natalie and I had been up in Joseph on like a little Western girls retreat and we slept off and did a, a photo shoot up at the stubborn mule or the spotted mule. I always butcher the name of that place, but it's the one <laughs> cute little bar in Joseph and she'd gr- gotten all this great footage. And so anyway, I was home and I was checking the the processing of the single Hey There Cowboy. And for whatever reason in September CD baby, the distribution site had received so many, um, you know, like uploads and uh, submissions that it was going to be another week before my single was going to be able to process in time and be released. Mm -hmm. And so here I was, I like had a whole panic attack, meltdown. It's my first single and I have been 
pumping the marketing on this, like telling everyone, hey, be on the lookout. My first single since I was 16 is coming out on September 25th. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to look like the world's biggest asshole if I just am like, oh, whoops, sorry, guys. Nope, it's going to be next week. So I called Natalie and I was like, hey, um, we have a bit of a situation. The song isn't going to be ready. Um, and I was wondering if you could like use one of those pictures and just put it behind like the audio and that way I could release it on social media as like a soft launch or opening or release or whatever we call it. And Mm -hmm. she's like, Oh yeah, I think I could do that. And then she just whips up this amazing video with all of her little video clips that she had. And it like made it this great music video. I was just expecting a little picture and here she just whips up this (laughs) perfect thing. (laughs) And she totally saved my bacon And I was like, yep, yeah, you know, it seems like totally normal now, like it was meant to happen this way. And so then with the other two, three singles that have come out, it's like, well, we've got ourselves in a situation now where it's expected to have videos because she killed it with the first one. And now everyone's like, oh, well, what do you mean you're going to release a song without one of Natalie's videos? (laughs) Oh, yeah, well, okay, I guess (laughs) So we've had fun filming the the one for Gypsy and Road of Life, and I'm looking forward to the one for Kitty Pool too. Oh, awesome! That's that's pretty cool. What's your advice for somebody who wants to pursue music? Somebody maybe not just dipping their toes in the water, but what do you wish you knew when you started to commute to Nashville? Yeah, that's that's a good one. It's kind of a lengthy one, um, but I'm I'm a believer in hard work. I know that's probably not re- really what anyone wants to hear. Um, but I believe it like that, that hard work kind of always wins against talent. If talent doesn't work hard, you know, that's old saying. Um, Mm -hmm. I think if it's something that you're pretty sure you're interested in, um, the best thing you can do is get out there and play live. Like I had mentioned earlier, one of the things I noticed the more that I went back and forth to Nashville was that I was meeting a lot of people who just moved to Nashville on a whim because they wanted to be a famous country singer. And although that's great, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not picking on them. Um, I just know that I'm not in it to be famous. I'm in it because I love writing songs and sharing stories. And I truly love meeting people and going on the adventures and doing what I get to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that you have to really figure out if you love what you do or you love the idea of what you do because there's been times um, where I truly wonder why I do it. I was playing music a couple, I guess two months ago at Brasada and it was outside and Brasada is this, you know, beautiful resort here in central Oregon. But since Oregon was still on a dining out situation, you couldn't Mm -hmm. go inside. Uh, It's February And uh, the winds were back. It was like 30 to 40 mile an hour winds. It's like 36 degrees. And I'm sitting outside trying to play music for two hours while all the customers and the people dining are in this nice little tent. And I'm just like out in the open, just getting pelted by the wind. Like things were just flying around. It was so, so cold. I don't think that I have experienced something as bad as that in a while I thought my fingers were going to fall off but like those are the moments where you truly realize that you are not doing it because you love the idea you're doing it because 
I truly love what I get to do. So I think that's the main thing. If you decide you want to be a musician or a songwriter, like figure out if you can make it through the hard things too, because it's like the easiest part is getting up and playing music for people and, you know, being on that high where people are enjoying the music and they're vibing with you. The hard part is doing all the computer work that I have to do all day to keep my website updated. And I don't have a booking agent because I don't really want to pay for a booking agent or pay for like a social media person. So guess who gets Mm -hmm. to do all of that? Me. So you like that's the hard part is doing the computer work all day, looking for places to play, convincing people to let you play, lugging the gear into your pickup and then unloading it and then setting it all up, being the sound person and then the artist and then taking it all down and unloading it when you get home. Like that's that's the part that you have to figure out if you are, you know, invested in it enough to do. And then if you pass that test, I would say just play as much as you possibly can get out there as much as you possibly can um, because the more experience you get and the more places you go and the more people that hear you that is really one of the best ways to get it done I mean I I think we are so lucky to live in an age where social media really helps us out if you know how to do it right and you maybe get lucky with the algorithm once in a while but I think word of mouth and people saying oh go listen to this person, they're great, is still one of the best ways to do it. So mm-hmm. that's my my two bits on it. Work hard, make sure you really like what you're doing, and then you'll get people who are kind of sour sometimes, and they'll tell you how you should breathe or how you should sound. But just if you know what you're doing and you like what you're doing and you get good feedback and you believe in yourself and what you're doing, you just got to tune out the the people who – want to share their two cents sometimes or discourage you or tell you that it'll never happen because it doesn't do anybody any good to listen to those people. So you just keep on keeping on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got to put the blinders on a little bit. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's, it's hard sometimes. It's, it's not always easy to do the blinders, but I have found that it doesn't really matter what everybody else thinks. I am not here to please the entire world. I nor do I want to, you know, I I know my music is not for everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. lots of people as an artist, you have to accept that, you know, Kanye West isn't for everybody. I'm really not a fan of him, but he has people that love him. And so that's great. He's doing it right because he's got his fans. And I don't think Kanye West would really like my music. But you know what? I have people that do. And so I must be doing something right. So you just got to get over the people that are going to critique you. And say, I got a few people that like it, so we're we're gonna be fine. Hey, who knows? Maybe the Kardashians go honky tonkin' <laughs> when they're on their ranch in the Tetons. <laughs> Maybe so. It'll be like this brand new collab. I mean, Billy Ray Cyrus and uh, Lil Nas X did a you know Old Town Road, so maybe this is going to be the new thing. Kanye West and Olivia Harms. <laughs> there we go. And what I see the other day, Post Malone singing country music, and I was like, ugh. And then I loved it. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, I know it's so great when they cross over, and then you're like, oh, I want to hate it, but I actually really like it. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yep. totally fair. So. But where can people find you? I know you do local gigs and gigs around. Where can people find you? Where can people see you? What's the future hold? Yeah, check out the website. Uh, That's where I have everything listed on where I'm going to be. It's just oliviaharms.com. So if you want, like, 
the the address and down to the you know point and street address you're going to find it there um otherwise probably the easiest way to keep track of me and tag along on some of my adventures and see what I'm up to is uh follow me on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok I'm not very good at Twitter uh so you can find me on there I think I have like 20 followers so I'm really winning on the Twitter but the other ones they're they're pretty easy to find it's just Olivia Harms official and then I'll pop up in my little shorty's cowboy hat and say hello <laughs> I do love your hat. The oh, two, thank you. Two-tone ribbons. I was creeping on that earlier today. <laughs> thank you very much. I, uh, I've i been working with Shorty's Cowboy Hattery out of Oklahoma City for the last couple years, and she's really known for uh, her wonderful, like, equestrian hats. Like, they're just, just so prim and proper and perfect. Um, but uh, they are supporters of my music, and I've been wanting to wear their hats. I've just... I'm not really that AQHA um, horse show style. And so mm-hmm. I convinced her to make a couple fashion hats and, you know, let me be, I don't know, what, what do they call it, an ambassador for her fashion hats. And so um, that's that's what we've been doing. And it's been great. I think she's got a couple people that are enjoying the the fashion hats. And um, she's they, she's been making hats forever. And so she's doing a good job. That's for darn sure. Right on. Right on. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it, and I hope sometime we can actually cross paths in person. (laughs) Absolutely. If you have a local gig, I will do my best to to show up and support you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there you have it. What a fun, positive gal. I'm so happy I could sit down with Olivia and chat, and it was even more fun to meet her in person. So, like she said, you can find her on social media at Olivia Harms Official. And as always, thank you guys for listening.